Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast. In celebration of our 75th Jubilee year, we are talking to alumni throughout our history about who they are, what they're doing now, and their candid experiences of life on campus. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Hey, Christy, what's going on today, Hello girl? There, so good to see you. I'm excited for another guest here. I know. I feel like we're just rolling along with these podcasts. It almost I almost have to pinch myself and and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe we've already gotten to talk to so many amazing people that have been such a surprise that I, we didn't know before. I know. I know. It's really. It makes me so proud to be an alumni of Franciscan. I kind of feel like I have a lot of big brothers and sisters and little brothers and sisters that I'm like, look at what they've done. My family's awesome. Right, you know? Right. So just a plug, anybody who's listening, if somebody comes to mind, please share it with us because we've loved getting to talk to all these different alumni. Yeah, sharing their stories has been a true pleasure. It's just been it's been a joy and just delight. So it has. All right. Our guest today graduated in 2015 with a degree in humanities and Catholic culture. She went on to complete a two-year specialization course in painting at the Sacred Art School in Florence, Italy, before returning to Franciscan as the university's first artist-in-residence, where she taught five classes, held a personal exhibition, she kept an active studio, and worked to engage the community in the arts. Most recently, you have probably heard about her and seen her work um, because we commissioned her as the university to create an image that was put onto the front of the J.C. Williams Center, um, which has now been made into a mosaic and will be there for generations to come. So um, she has been pretty present around campus and the university life recently. So we're excited to hear about where her art came from. Um, And we are honored today to talk to Blair Gordy Pierce. So welcome, Blair. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. Um, Okay, so before we jump into your rich experience um, of art and your time here at Franciscan, can you share with us kind of where you're from and the journey that you took to come to Franciscan? Because the last I checked, um, they don't have a major in sacred art. So I'm very curious to why you chose to come to Franciscan. Yeah. So my first, I'm from Louisiana, and like a lot of students that go to Franciscan, my first exposure was through the conferences. And it always was just kind of something that seemed um, far off and kind of just a dream to go to Franciscan. Um, And also I was interested in going to art school and um, I did like a summer course in art school and came back and was like, this is definitely something I want to do. But I think my mom was just concerned with the secular nature of art schools and she wanted me to get a more firm foundation in the faith before studying art. And so she suggested that I apply to to Catholic schools. And I was open to that too. I mean, I was active in my faith in high school. Um, And there, you know, I did start looking at different uh, Catholic universities and I wasn't really finding that one had a super strong art program. So I thought just to get like a base um, liberal arts education first. And I didn't, I actually, I say that, but I entered at studying sociology um, and then ACC came later. But um, 
Yeah, so I applied to Franciscan and visited and just felt really drawn in. And it was just, I was praying at the port and it kind of was just this moment of peace and it felt like where I was supposed to be. It kind of seems like this, you know, it just felt like um, a great place and a really peaceful place. And um, I decided to go. So that's how I ended up there. That's how you came. And have you always, um, have you always loved making art? I have, yeah, since I was little. And then in high school, it kind of um, became almost what I identified as, Mm -hmm. um, as an artist. And back then it was a lot of about like self-expression and working through things in the art. And it wasn't until later that it kind of became something outside of myself. So. And what did that look like when you got to campus? Was art fostered as a student here? Did you get involved in other things or what was your student life like? So, um, I was lucky that my best friend who I made was an artist and, um, she was also studying HTC and that's how I got into the major. Um, but we kind of did it on our own and had other friends that, that liked to do it together. And then I fit as many, um, art electives in as I could. And also I was part of the um, pop core team. So that was an interesting way of combining art and faith because I always do the um, the sacred space part of the pops and decorate. And then I was also creating kind of like sacred images for the pops as well. So I think that was my first experience as well as in the art classes kind of making um, compositions that were centered on sacred themes. Um, but other than that, um, Life on campus, I don't think has changed too much. I think there's been a lot of development with the um, facilities. I've seen like, that's been really wonderful to see that development, but it was pretty similar as now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you being a recent grad, but I mean, still, yeah, there's a lot of stuff off campus, like Franciscan Square. I know that that's been developed in the last couple years. And then the plans for the brand new building, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see. I mean, really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, when you said that your roommate got you into HCC, was this like a conversation that you had one night and she was like, listen, listen, you're not a sociology major at heart, Blair. You're an HCC major. How did she how did she rope you in? And, And did that kind of inform your art or did your art kind of push you into that? So we would just have these conversations about what she was studying and it was very intriguing to me and I was seeking just a lot of answers and I came into college just kind of confused about um, why things are the way they are in society and um, I wasn't really finding those answers in sociology Um, but also the main professor was out that semester and it was kind of just a sub but all the questions I had, um, I felt like it, the answers I was getting from our conversations were more fitting for for what I was seeking. Right, they're more compelling. And, yeah, yeah, and it was it was just what I wanted to study, and so I decided to switch at the end of my first semester. And she was on um, she was on my hall. And then my roommate was also HCC. She was a year ahead. So I saw it was very, very rigorous because she was 
I remember her pulling a lot of all-nighters or, you know, writing papers late into the night. And I, I was like, I was kind of, I slacked a lot that first semester. I was just kind of living the freshman college life, like just kind of like getting to know everyone and getting to know college life. So I think HCC um, contributes a lot to my art in a few ways, but one is that it definitely gave me discipline. Um, it helped me to have a historical framework to set um, just like my artistic vision within. And I think it helps me to um, understand what to ask um, and what to look for and what to examine. And it just kind of was like practice for doing that through just like the papers we wrote or the books we read. Um, and it gave me like um, a lens to interpret that by. So even, I feel like it's something you can, um, it's formation that you could bring to any field, but for art, especially that there's where there's like a lot of intersection of faith and culture already. Um, it set me up really well for what I do now. Wow. That's great. And did you, I feel like HCC is like the world is your oyster. You can go on and do anything. You have this great foundation of learning how to think and process and just learn. So did you know where you wanted to go from there or how did you decide what to do next? No, for a long time, I didn't know. Um, but I, I knew I loved art and I think it was studying abroad that kind of helped me to make the next step. And whenever I was studying a, and one of my art professors, Professor Meldrum, who's there now championing the art program that well, the development of a program. Um, he, I expressed interest in studying art further and he gave me the card of a man, a sculptor who helped found this little school in Italy. So I started looking into that. That was probably my junior year. And then when I studied abroad, um, I tried to visit the school, but just in seeing Florence and um, in Italy and all the beautiful churches, it kind of just sparked an even deeper desire to, to form myself to be able to create art like, you know, kind of on a certain level, like what I was seeing. Um, so that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it went to like find the school. But along the way, you know, it was, it was hard to know what to do next. Um, I was also dating my current husband then, and I did, I knew, okay, the school is an ocean away. Like, how is that going to work? Right. Um, you know, and we were like discerning marriage or talking about it, but it wasn't, it felt like such a big leap to be like, well, are you just going to come over there with me and, <laughs> you know, put off your career for two years and everything. Um, so my husband was really gracious and very brave and, so we decided together to make the leap and I applied, um, I guess that was senior year and we got engaged around the same time and started making plans to make that work. But yeah, so it was kind of a joint decision that I don't, I guess I, w I would have done it alone, but having, you know, a partner um, supporting me definitely helps me make the leap. 
Yeah, that's a giant leap to move to graduate college, get married, and then move to Florence and start studying art. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so, what did that look like when you were there? What exactly did you study, and where you know what did that mean for you? Yeah, so um, we flew over to Florence four days after we got married, and <laughs> it kind of was a whirlwind because. With all the wedding plans, we were looking for apartments. And back then, and I'm sure now, Italians aren't doing a lot of business online as much as we are <laughs> used to, and we couldn't find an apartment. And we had a place, and then they canceled on us, I think two weeks before we got married, or a month or so. So oh, that was pretty goodness. stressful. So we found an Airbnb for 10 days, and we're like, hey, we have 10 days to find an apartment. And we're just like praying and trusting and trusting it to God. And um, so we flew over there and like to start just, it was very interesting living abroad. I think it was very bonding, very, very bonding in our marriage. Um, and yeah, we, on the last day of our Airbnb, found an apartment that was willing to have us. It was a tiny little studio and there wasn't a bed. It was just a fold out couch that we slept on for the first year. No <laughs> way. Yeah, wow. so, and then um, I started school, I think, a week later, and it was just, I mean, it was rigorous study, um, and it was what I needed. I really wanted just to, um, it felt like starting from scratch of everything I knew, because I was largely self-taught. I had some classes in college, um, but it was more of the traditional academic training where you study a lot from life, you study anatomy. Um, yeah, and just long, long hours, like like nine hours standing up the whole day. I got, my body had to like get adapted to that. And just to rely on, um, to, to learn like all the traditional techniques and um, it was just, yeah, it was definitely the artistic training I needed. And then also being in the city of Florence is very formative for an artist. Um, I mean, everywhere you turn, there's art on every corner. Um, just like biking, I would we would bike everywhere or walk. And my favorite part about Florence is there were these little niches on the corners with sacred art. There would just be these little frescoes with little overhangs of the Virgin Mary and Christ, different patron saints. And it just felt like this really natural and organic expression of the culture's faith throughout the ages. And, um, and just going to the museums and churches, it helps form my tastes and my um, understanding of how like culture and faith can work together to create a beautiful environment. Wow. That sounds, it really sounds incredible, that experience. And it's so intense too. When you first get married, that's a really intense time. And then to couple it with this vast experience of art and beauty. I mean, what it's such an impression, like in your own mind, you know, it's, that's amazing. Um, and is this kind of where you developed your style that um, I know that a lot of alumni will, will know um, your work from the piece of art, Our Lady of the Porciuncula, which was made into a mosaic on the JC. That's probably what people will think about when they hear your name. But if people have looked at any of your other art, 
um, it's just it's just stunning. So is this in Florence? Is this kind of where you developed your style um, that most people would see today? Yes, for sure. Um, I think just being trained in like figurative realism and going into museums, which are just with a lot of um, that type of art, definitely helped inform my style. Um, but I think just being Catholic and having just art from all ages to to look to has helped form it too. And that's the great thing. Anytime I have a project, I go back and look, you know, art books are online at, at examples and you can draw from so many different artists and ages and styles and from the East, from the West, you know, like it's just, it's a plethora. It's an endless um, source of inspiration. And the image on the JC, you know, it really was, I needed to kind of do something different because my style is more um, kind of like the 19th century French realism. Um, it does kind of fall into that vein a lot. But for the JC, since it was being translated into mosaic, it did need to um, be an image that would be translated well into a mosaic. So it needed to be simplified, um, more flat and less less contrast, less, less modeling of form and more, you know, kind of like different icons you see. But um, yeah, so, but I really love that image and it, it kind of felt like a challenge that I needed to step out of that box mm -hmm. of what I was doing. And um, when I was at Franciscan, I was in Illuminata Pace, which is a Franciscan household. And so I had studied a lot about St. Francis and I had, you know, and being in Assisi and everything, I really, I love St. Francis and um, I wanted to honor him in this piece. And I was trying to figure out how, and it just kind of came to me. Um, it was just a moment of inspiration to base it off of um, St. Francis' Canticle of Creatures, which helps kind of the layout of the image. But um, yeah, so that piece is really special to me because I feel like it, it kind of like tied a bow on my time at Franciscan. Mm. It was, and it was kind of like a way of like giving back. And I felt like, um, yeah, just my formation there. And then with my artistic training, like it came together um, in that image. It was like full circle for you kind of. And when you were yeah. talking earlier about when you first came to Franciscan and you were in the port having that experience of peace and kind of like, okay, I can, I, sh I should be here. I, I want to be here. I can be here. I can be at peace mm -hmm. here. It's amazing to now look back, you know, from the outside and say, oh yeah, you didn't just come here. You know, you've literally left your mark on Franciscan mm -hmm. and the art program um, and being an artist in residence. I mean, that that's amazing to to come back and give back in such a con literally concrete way um, to the students. Um, and so when you were an artist in residence, what was that like? I mean, did you get this phone call and think like, oh, is this a joke? Like, are they making this up for me? It's like, yes, yes, you know. Yeah. So I was in Florence, and I think it was an email. Professor Meldrum emailed me, and it was a long conversation we had about it because. Um, you know, just figuring out if it would work. And it was right after I graduated in the summer and 
came back and started like the next month. So it was kind of another big transition for me and my husband. Um, and it was a little bit bizarre, you know, being just graduated two years and coming back and teaching. And yeah, there was a bit of um, just kind of other, like otherworldliness to being around the professors that I had admired so much and were role models to me and then being a peer to them um, then. And I had a few of them that had to remind me, like, you can call me by my first name. You can call me by my first name. I was like, I'm not going to get used to no. that. So I kind of was just, and it was something also, you know, with teaching, I kind of had to, I didn't want the students to know when I had graduated because there's always that dynamic, you know. But it was a nice, um, it was a nice part of it too because I wasn't so far ahead of them. I could say, you can do, like, you could do something similar or, like, what you're going to do when you get out, like, it's okay. You know, you can do it. Like, you don't need to be, you don't need to be afraid and, like, God will be with you and will guide you and things will be okay because there's a lot of stress, I think you know, with graduating. So I love to be on the other side of that and encouraging students and especially, especially teaching art that I love so much just to, to pass on what I had learned to them. Um, and some of my favorite students were those who had never, never done art and were just kind of trying it out at, in an elective. And they came in, you know, just kind of vocalizing doubts in themselves or um, insecurities with doing art and just to see their confidence grow and to be able to give them like a tangible method and um, a step-by-step process to do it um, felt really, really great. And the, and the, when, at the end of the year, just to see all my students grow. I feel like I would be one of those students and you, whenever you hear teachers be like, I really like the student that can't do it and, you know, comes in, I'm like, but do you really? <laughs> yeah. I kind of surprised myself in that. It's like, I felt like I would love the one to kind of like um, already have it all together, but I actually really, really loved those students who, you know, who didn't. And, and I think they were also, so pleased like when they saw growth or so pleased when they saw that they could do it and that you know there was it wasn't just that everyone's born an artist but that um they could develop they could develop a skill mm-hmm. in art mm-hmm. yeah so what else does it mean when you when we hear like an artist in residence at franciscan what does that look like and what did that mean for you yeah, so I think it also was just establishing um, a presence on campus of a working artist. So I had a studio in STC Heights, um, and I was working on commissions as soon as I got back. So I would sometimes bring my students over, and they could see my work. And then also um, the art lab, which is in STC Heights, has a space for students to work, and I would set up stations where they could do their homework. So while they were in there, I'd be in there working and they could like sometimes we just chat or they could come see my, see what I was working on. And then in the spring I had an exhibition which showcased some of the work I'd done in Florence and some of the work I'd been working on while I was at Franciscan. Um, and I gave a talk about, um, a little bit of my history and process and everything. 
So it kind of was just a combination of those things um, on top of teaching, just um, sharing my work and, and being an active presence, you know, close by that they could kind of see what that looked like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, I just have to ask, we're looking at you and we see this <laughs> image of St. Therese behind you. And can you just share a little bit about that? And we'll, we can share an image um, you know, with people to be able to see it, but it's just so striking to me and I can't stop looking at it. It's distracting in the best way. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so it's actually lucky it's it's still here because I kept it so I could show it at a conference, but otherwise it would have been shipped out. Um, So I did this image um, of St. Therese of Lisieux um, holding um, Holy Face and it was commissioned by a woman who's donating it to the word on fire office in Dallas. So I wanted to come. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going wow right now. Nobody can see that, but my (laughs) mouth is kind of dropped open. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I had just a really kind of like providential meeting. Um, It just worked out that uh, actually Bishop Barron was able to come here to my studio and see it in person because he was, I live three houses down from a Benedictine Abbey. Um, and we chose to live here because we wanted to be close and partake in the daily life of the Abbey. And also my brother is a monk there. He just made first, uh, first vows. So, um, so I did this painting for Word on Fire. Um, and so it combines a lot of their mission with St. Therese as their patron and her kind of intercessory, um, work for them. So it represents her in the heavenly space, um, which is often represented with gold in the background, or in this case, a combination of gold and, and yellow hues. And behind her is the um, rose window of Notre Dame, which I knew Bishop Barron had a love for. And then in a podcast episode, he talked about how it's exemplary of three aspects of beauty that St. Thomas Aquinas writes about. So I decided that works well with just their mission to uh, evangelize through beauty. And then the little um, inset halo kind of forms like the shape of a flower, which is just mm, yeah. kind of a subtle reference to her as a little flower. Mm-hmm. And then at the top, we see two peacocks on either side, which represent the resurrection or um, eternal life. So this is to allude to her saying before she died, uh, my work has just begun. I'll send the shower of roses from heaven. So underneath them, you see a pattern of of roses coming down. And then I decided to use, um, to have her holding an image of the holy face because Word on Fire evangelizes through images and the veil of Veronica in the east or the image of King Abgar in the east, is the first image that Christ would have left of himself. And because of her lesser known um, devotion and title of the Holy face. Mm-hmm. And then the only other thing is right on the bottom of the veil. There's just like a thin line of lace work because of her and her mother's um, work in lace. So it's just kind of like her way of kind of like um, adorning or mm-hmm. giving back to the Holy face to Jesus. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I know. Thank you for, for sharing that. And you did you say that you got to meet Bishop Barron? Did you get to show him the work while you were working on it? It was right after I'd finished it. So I kind of was just 
like this gift um, and a grace that he could he could come. So I had reached out. Well, first my brother called me and said, "Do you know that Bishop Barron's coming for an abbot's conference to the Abbey?" I was like, "Well, I'm right here." So I contacted his office that they we had been in contact about the painting. I said, "You know, I'm right here. Maybe." could talk with him or talk to his secretary and see if it could work out. Um, and it didn't look like it was going to, I knew he was already there and I hadn't heard back. So the night before he came, my brother came and knocked on our door and late at night. I was like, Mr. Barron's coming in the morning. I talked to- <laughs> he talked to the abbot and said, there's this woman in Covington who has, is doing, is giving, is having this painting donated. And I really want to see it. I don't know where she lives. Oh. And the abbot knows me and knows my brother and knows I'm an artist. And he said, well, not only does she live three doors down, but her brother's a monk and can take you. Uh-uh. So he ended up coming. Um, there was a whirlwind of cleaning and getting ready. And then he ended up coming the next morning. So it was just, you know, kind of a beautiful surprise. Um, and I also thanked St. Therese because when it wasn't working out, um, I prayed to her and just kind of like entrusted it. Like if you want him to come and see it and for us to talk about it, you know, and it just kind of worked out. So, um, yeah, it was really cool to meet him and, you know, he has such a proclivity for art and I just kind of let him take it in. And he picked up on so many of the things within the image, which was pretty cool to see. And we just kind of discussed them and yeah, it was kind of a surreal little moment and my son too like he's a little space in here where he works he was showing him all of his art mm. and Bishop Aaron was really really sweet with him and so it was just yeah it was a cool cool um cool meeting wow that's great I know it's a memorable moment there your art wow it's like I'm just keep going back to the image of you in the port and <laughs> just thinking about you sitting there praying and where your life has taken you it's pretty it's pretty amazing Blair so on that note what would you say to a student now who is attending Franciscan and um, do you have any advice for their future you kind of alluded to this earlier when you were talking about your students when you were here but do you have any advice yeah I think looking back and just my time with Franciscan, you know, everyone's trying to figure it out and they're discerning and they're, I think, putting a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of thought into what they want to do next. And I think just taking really practical steps and following, following your interests and following your heart, really, I think God puts desires on our heart. And um, I don't think there's, if I could look back and tell myself, like, there's not one path in life we can take, like God can bless decisions we make. And, um, I think just like, don't be afraid. You know, if you, if you just, if you apply to different jobs and you end up in one, you didn't see yourself in, like you can make changes in your life. Like nothing is permanent right outside of college. And I know all of us, you know, end up in places we never suspected. And like, I think allow for some of the wildness of God and like the unpredictability to be present, you know, just, mm-hmm. yeah. I would, yeah. I just think there's so much stress with it and what you do for the first few years doesn't have to be what you do the rest of your life. So. That's great advice. Well, thank you. 
All right. Well, to close it up here, we like to ask all of our guests some hot takes from the Hill. Um, just quick answers from you to give you a little bit more context of some of the things you liked as a student. So um, who was your favorite professor? Definitely Professor Gaston. <laughs> He's um, retiring this year. Did you know? Yes. I didn't want to say that. But yes. I was like, in honor of closing out. Yeah. yeah. He will be very very missed yes um did you have a favorite friar or sister from your time on campus i have to say father don Fransco. he befriended my husband and he um come celebrated our wedding and he's just like a trip we would sit with him while he, him and my husband and their friends smoke cigars because he would take us to dinner a lot he's just extremely generous and very very down to earth and we love them. So that's awesome. Um, and did you have a favorite place to study or practice art, something like that when you were on campus? I loved to study outside. And my favorite season at Franciscan is the spring when all the flower trees are blooming. So I would go and a lot of times throw a blanket down on that hill right outside. Tell me more with all the um, cherry blossoms. I have fond memories just sitting out there and studying sometimes too. <laughs> okay, so what was your favorite thing to do off campus when you got away? I think just exploring, um, like going and hiking or um, we, I have a fond memory of something we call 10 random turns, which is where you just get in the car and go and drive in the countryside and you get to a, a, a uh, turn in the road and you say right or left and you flip a coin. So <laughs> we're doing that a few times um, as soon as anyone had a car and just a lot of times ending up in like a field and with a group of people and like stargazing or sometimes we um, one time we found like a row of hay bales and like jumped on the hay bales and just like little adventures like that. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, and then have you ever run into an alum in a random place, and where was that? If you run into a fellow alum, one that comes to mind is right after I was married, we were gifted a spousing novelli, the the blessing of the newlyweds. So we were in Rome, and it was right when the Franciscans were there. And so I think um, the night before, we ran into a group at the Torrey Fountain. <laughs> The next morning, I was like, we were in our garb walking up. And like your wedding dress. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all started screaming like, and calling. I was like, okay. Oh, gosh. And connect that they were all going to be there. So That's so that cool. Fun. That is cool. It's like you had all of Austria Franciscan come to your, come to your yeah. wedding again, come to your wedding blessing. <laughs> That's so fun. Um, did you and your husband have a favorite date spot to go to in Steubenville? Mm, we would go to Mario's sometimes, which is in Weirton. Okay. And it's just like a humble little Italian restaurant. All right. That's awesome. I love it. Well, Blair, thank you so much for joining us. It's really inspiring to see your journey and to see your beautiful art and the gifts that God has given you. So thank you for sharing it not only you know, with the studio that you have, but also on campus and leaving your mark. And I want to invite all of our listeners to come and come to the JC and see the beautiful image that's on the tower there. It's really incredible. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you. I'm really thankful for Francisco, for sure. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.